Wow, wasn't that great? Man, I can't wait till next Sunday night, man. I'm going to come hear all the rest of that stuff uh, that's connected with that uh, music there. Man, thank you, choir, so very much for that. What a great, great song uh, uh, to share with us as we begin to worship here today. Well, let me, uh, let me share some things with you this morning that uh, I think the Lord's laid on my heart for you. Uh, you have been prayed for uh, feverishly over this last week, particularly this morning. And uh, I always ask the Lord, wherever he has me on Sunday, uh, just give me a word for the, those sweet folks that I get to share with. And so he gave me this, and I want to share with you this morning this. I want you to know, I want you to realize something, that God loves you and me. Aren't you glad about that? It doesn't matter what's happening in my life. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. There's one constant in life. And that constant in life is that love, that agape love, that godly love that is ours, uh, that Jesus gave to us. And this morning, I, I want to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you this morning. And I hope that uh, the Lord will be able to do that by what we do. Uh, we're going to look at some scripture in the Gospel of John chapter 13 in just a moment. You can open up or turn them on, whichever you have, uh, this morning and go to those that Gospel. But uh, I want you to, as we begin this morning, I, I want to, the title of my message is Love the, the Proof That We Are His Disciples. Uh, and... Uh, I like music. I love music. And uh, in lieu of me singing for you this morning, I thought I would share something on video that illustrates and says what I want to start off with this, this morning. And I'll illustrate why it's important to us a little bit later on. But I want you to know, no matter what, you can't erase his love for you. Listen to this video. So. Amen. Aren't you glad to know that you're still a son and you're still a daughter? And no matter what's going on, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, we can't erase the love of God that he has for you and I. Wow, that is such good news this morning. No, that's the best news ever. That he loves us this way. You know, there was a group of guys who uh, were... On a high. And they were experiencing Christ, Jesus, at a very high level. Things were going great. Things were going good. They thought things couldn't get any better than it was. And then all of a sudden, the time for Jesus to be glorified came. I, I looked up that word glorified. And there, there's a, a scholar who says this. His name is Gruden. And he defines the word glorified as... God's revelation, now get this, glorified means his revelation of his genuineness. Wow. He's going to be glorified in the context of the passage that we're going to read here in just a moment. He's getting ready to be glorified. That means he's getting ready to be lifted up. 
He's getting ready to go through a trial. He's getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to be risen on the third day. All of that major, major stuff is about to take place. And he's in this upper room uh, talking to his followers, to the, the his disciples, those who are uh, have been with him for three and a half years, day and night. They, they have been with him. They have uh, ate with him. They've uh, laughed with him. They served with him. They've experienced all that uh, he brought. See, Jesus was, by the way, as you know, he was the incarnate God. He was God who left heaven, uh, limited himself in human form. He was human being, and yet he was God all at the same time. That, that blows my mind. I don't understand it. I, I don't really get it all, but... I accept it because it's true. It's truth. Jesus was God in human form who walked the face of this earth. And so he uh, comes to that upper room and he has what, what is called in Scripture the upper room discourse. And we find this in chapters 13, 14, and 15 uh, and through 17 actually uh, of the Gospel of John. His account of that. And so if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, as I said, if you open them up or turn them on, I'll be reading uh, from John chapter 13. And I'm going to just read a couple of verses here for you and go back and kind of just walk through these passages of Scripture, okay? Here we go. Verse 34. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Would you join me in prayer? Father, again, thank you for your word. May it speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if I were to define for you the word love this morning... Uh, there are a million different things. If I were to ask each one of you to define the word love, I might get as many answers as there are people here this morning. Uh, there in the Greek language, there are three terms that are de- defined or at least uh, translated in the English language to love. One is eros, that's romantic love. One is phileo, that's called brotherly love. And then there's the one that we want to talk about today is agape love, that is godly Love, And we'll talk about that in just for, just for a moment. But uh, Jesus was discussing, if I, I, in order to get to my point today, okay, I got, I got a couple of points I want to make for you. And, but we've got to go the runway before we take off and, and get there. Is that okay with you? Yes, yes, okay, all right. Because the Gospel of John is, is powerful. This is one of my greatest, the, the greatest chapters in all the Bible. And I love this chapter, and I can't wait to get to where I'm going to get here in just a moment. Okay? I promise I'll get right there. All right? Okay. But i got to give you a little context. In, in, so I told you, they, they were gathered in that upper room. Jesus and his disciples. It's known as the Last Supper. Uh, and uh, they were upbeat when they got there. And, and uh, they were doing the normal things they would do at these at Passover suppers. And, and so uh, we find in... The beginning of chapter 13, uh, this becomes a very heavy time. All of a sudden, in the beginning of chapter 13, we find Jesus standing up and reaching down and washing their feet. Washing the feet 
of those disciples. Now, if you know anything about Jewish, anything about Jewish history, anything about that time, uh, the, the, the task of washing feet because people wore sandals or they were barefooted. And everywhere they went, they got dirty. When they walked in a home, they would have slaves. Most folks would have slaves who would come and wash the feet of those who would come into their home. It was a task uh, that was relegated to a slave. And Jesus was trying to give them last-minute instructions before he left to be with, go back to his father and go through all that he was going to go through. And uh, they weren't quite getting where he was going. Because, you know, he's already said uh, in several other places before this moment that there's coming a time where I'm going to have to be glorified. I'm going to have to be lifted up. I'm going to go away. But they heard, but they didn't listen. Okay, and so so uh, he gets up and he washes their feet and they were blown away. What do you mean, master? You're going to wash. Peter said, I love impetuous Peter. I just love him because he, he speaks sometimes before he thinks. Anybody here guilty of that? I am sometimes. Sometimes I, that's how I get myself in trouble sometimes when I speak before I think. Peter said, oh, God, you're, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're, you're going to wash. You're going to have to wash all of me. And Jesus said to him, listen, Peter, you can take a bath at house. He didn't say it quite that way, but essentially that's what he's saying. You take a bath at home. What I'm doing here, I'm showing you here what it means to be a servant. Because that's what he's called them to. To be servants. Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served. Those who want to be first must be last. You know, over and over again, Jesus said it just like that throughout his teaching with them. And he's reminding them through this one act of amazing servanthood. And then right after that, that was that blew their mind. Then right after that, Jesus said, one of you guys are going to betray me. One of you guys are going to turn me over to the Jews. And just think about that for just a moment. Here you are. You've been with him day and night for three and a half years. I mean, you love him. You know he's the Messiah. You've been following him. You've seen miracles take place. You've uh, experienced all that he has. He's been there to protect you. He's been your God. He's been your uh, strength. Uh, and uh, he's led you all these three and a half years. And things are going great. And then all of a sudden you say, Lord, one of us is going to betray, betray you? Yes. But that was the plan anyway. But nonetheless, so they, so they said to, the disciples said to John, the Apostle John, who was the Lord's favorite sitting right next to him, he says, find out who it is. You read the scripture, check me out. I'm not making this up. It's in scripture. You go ahead and check me out if you like. And, and so they did, and, 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 uh, the Lord said, it's the one who dips his bread in the wine after me. And then coincidentally, no, it wasn't coincidence. Judas did just that. And Jesus said just this to him. He says, go and do what you're doing quickly. And so 
the other disciples saw Judas leaving. The Bible says that they thought, well, maybe he was going out to, he's the treasurer, by the way. Maybe he's going out to buy some supplies or give to the poor or something like that. They had not gotten it yet. And, and so the, the atmosphere in the room is so thick you could cut it with a knife. And then we bring, bring, that brings us to uh, verse 31 of this passage of Scripture. So Judas has left and things have been set in motion in order to have Jesus crucified. Have him go through a trial. And, and to be beaten and ridiculed and denied. And, and and all of those things. And have his disciples, his own disciples to reject him. He's, all that was beginning. And, 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 and I love what the, the Apostle John says. in, Or what the Lord says here in verse 31. When he had left, that, he, that being Judas. Jesus said now. That word now is a great transition word. It says, okay, Jesus was acknowledging the fact that within 24 hours, he's going to be hanging on the cross. Within 24 hours, he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be uh, uh, taken prisoner, and he was going to uh, be ushered into that mock trial. He was going to be beaten with a cat of nine tails. He was going to be spit upon. He was going to have a crown of thorns placed on his head. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be taken to the cross. He was going to be taken to the hill of Golgotha. He was going to be nailed to a tree that he created. Now you think about that for just a moment. Jesus was not only the Savior and the Messiah and the one who walked the face of the earth, but he was there in the beginning. He was a part of creation. For Jesus was before time in time, and it'll be after time. He was, always was, and will always be, and yet he allowed, now this is the key word, he allowed himself to be in this position that he's in right now for you and for me. You know why? Because he, agape, he loves you and I. He knew that we could not be good enough to earn our entrance into heaven. He knew there had to be a once and for all sacrifice for him. He knew all of that. And he provided himself for that sacrifice for you and I. You and, I. and I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I could not have done it for myself. I thank you for what you did for me and for us all. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. There comes times when I, I'm so blown away. By what Jesus has done for me. I don't have words. Can you believe that about me? I'm so stunned. At what he's done for me. There's a song that I like to hear. And I, the name escapes me right now. But the phra- there's a phraseology in it that goes like this. When you don't know what to say. Just say Jesus. And there's something about the name of Jesus, isn't there? It's a great song, one of my favorite songs in all the all the songbook is there's something about that name. There's something about the name that can calm our fears. There's something about the name that can set us back on track. There's something about the name of Jesus that settles our problems and 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 reassures us that we're loved and we're protected. It, it's it's like in Matthew 11 chapter 20 uh, chapter 11 verse 28 and through 30, Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. 
Jesus, the name of Jesus pictures for me and should picture for all of us. His arms open wide. And his, by the way, his arms are never too short to gather us all up at one time if that's what's needed. He's saying to you, Keshia Baptist Church, this morning, I love you. My arms are open wide. Fall into my arms. Rely on me. And I'll get you through this. I'll see you through. It's okay. I'm not done with you yet. Jesus is not done with his church. He's not done with you. He's not dead. I knew that before the song, the movie came out. I knew he's not dead. He's still alive. He's on his throne. He's got a plan. He's got a work for you to do and for me to do. So take heart in that. And so Jesus says, Now the Son of Man is glorified and the God is glorified in him. Uh, if, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in, him in himself and will glorify him at once. Children. I love that word children. There, you know what that is? That's a very affectionate term. You know, if, if I had a bunch of kids up here or I had my, you know, I just visited my grandkids. I got five of them. I got pictures too. Be glad to show you. You know, five, I know we got grandparents here. I know you all have pictures with you right now, don't you? All right. Uh, I mean, I, I, and, and, you know, when, when we walked in, you know, I'm the, I'm the Starbucks Peppa. That's what I'm known for. See, when I walk in the door, Peppa, can we go to Starbucks? You know, and I, 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 I said, sure. And I feed him full of all that sugar and, you know, let them have, let their mom and daddy have them back, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's one of those things that's between us, me and them and, 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 and when they gather around and, They'll hug me and they'll say, thank you, Papa, and I, thank you, thank you, you know. And I go, you're welcome, baby. What, do you, what else do you want? And my, one of my granddaughters, when she was about three years old, four years old, little blonde, blue-eyed little girl, name is Rachel. I remember her coming to me one time and she said, uh, she came and, and I got down on my knees kind of like this. And she came and wrapped her little chubby arms around my neck. She says, I love you, Papa. <laughs> What do you want, baby? It's yours. I got it. You know, I mean, if I could have been a grandfather first, I believe I would have. You know, that was good. But what I'm saying to you, and I, I know I got distracted. Whenever I meet my talk about my grandchildren, I get distracted. I'm sorry about that. But I want to tell you something. Jesus, he's down on his knees like this. And he says, you come. You throw your arms around me. I got you. Don't you worry. I got you. I love you. You're loved. And he says in verse 34, he says, well, verse, verse 33, when he uses that term children, he's very affectionate term. And he's saying to all of us, and by the way, this, are, this, he's, Talking to those of us who know him as Lord and Savior. That's who he's talking to here. And he's talking to you, the church. And, and he says, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now think about what's happened here in that upper room. Think about the fact that he's washed their feet. That blew their mind. He said, one of them will betray you. He walked out and he did that. Now Jesus 
said in verse 31, said, okay, now we can get on with the business at hand. He says, listen, I'm going to be glorified. Uh, you know, I'm going to be lifted up. And you're going to see the plan unfold that I've told you about. And, and you're going to see eternity opened up for you with a plan that I'm about to take place here. And then he says, I'm going away and you can't go with me. Wow. Have you ever experienced that kind of thing? Ever experienced that kind of loss? Maybe. Your whole world comes to a, a stop, a complete stop. Now what do we do? Now what are we going? And, and uh, you know, I, I've lost both my parents. And, and I remember I lost my father first. And I, I remembered thinking, one of the things I thought there is, all of a sudden, no longer am I going to be able to pick up the phone and call my dad. No longer am I going to be able to experience, uh, uh, talk with him about things in life. And, and, and uh, oh, now what am I going to do now? Things have completely changed for me. They were completely changing for the disciples. Now, remember, in that verse 33, he said, just like I told the Jews. Now, if you go back to, I think it's chapter 12, or other places there in in John, where he tells the Jews, listen, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. These are the Jews who rejected him. You better believe they're not going to the same place he's going, because they've rejected his message. But in their rejection, it opened the door for you and us Gentiles to have the opportunity... To go along with him and spend all eternity in heaven. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, I'm, I hate that they rejected him, but I'm glad it opened up the door for you and I. Thank you. Amen. The Bible says that we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. So, we're his. In fact, we've been adopted into his family. You know, in Jewish tradition... Adoption was more powerful than blood. Because you could put away a blood child, but you couldn't put away an adopted child. No matter what they did. No matter what they did. They are loved. And Jesus says, I love you. But he says to his followers in that verse, I'm going away now. Now that word means... Oh, you mean there's something coming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he answers this question that he po or this this statement I should say that he posed in verse thirty three in chapter fourteen. And he says, verse one: Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm saying to you today: Let not your hearts be troubled. Your your situation has auto uh, suddenly changed in the life of Kashai Baptist Church. But I'm here today to tell you that he's not changed. He never will change. Let not your hearts be troubled. I love you. I've got your back. My arms open wide. Fall upon me. Rely upon me. And then he says, I give you a new command. And this is key. And this is where I wanted to get to all morning. I finally got there. Aren't you glad? I finally got there. This is where I want to get all day. He says to them, and this is important, I give you a new command. Now, what new command was he talking about? Well, you, know, you remember in the Old Testament, the Bible says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And he's talking about God's people loving God's people. You know, Jews, loving Jews and loving their neighbors. 
But it goes on to say, and hate your enemies. Well, you remember Jesus addressed this issue in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 48. He says, uh, I tell you, you've heard it said to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. That word love in Matthew chapter 5, that's agape love in the Greek. He says, I say, love your enemy. Boy, what a radical statement Jesus was making there early on in that famous sermon of his on the mount. And so that was new right there. Now he comes and says, I give you a another new command. But the context is a little different. He says, this command, I've just told you I'm leaving. Your world's changing. You're not going to have the leader that you had. You're going to have to now grow up and pull up your boots and take on this job yourself. I remember when dad died and, and I thought, well, no longer now. I, I'm the, I, I have three sisters. I didn't have any brothers and I'm the only, at the time, I thought, well, I'm the only stockman heir left in my family. And then I, of course, I had two boys and praise God, I got two boys and the name continues. I only have one grandson. Maybe it'll keep going. You know, I hope so anyway. But uh, I said, what am I going to do now? That means I had to stand up and become a man. I had to carry on and do things that I thought my dad would do and, and those sorts of things. And they were going to have to do the same. But they were living in a culture that, that just crucified or was about to crucify their master. They hated him. Jesus even said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. But they're going to need each other. And I'm telling you, Keshia Baptist Church, you're going to need each other during this time. During this transition time. You're going to need each other in, in ways you just don't even know yet. You're going to need each other. And Jesus says, listen to what he says. Love one another. Now I want you to do something for me. Will you? This is yes. And this is no. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. This is yes. This is no. Don't turn around and look at each other. Come on, go ahead. Look at each other. Look at each other's faces. Come on now. Turn around. Don't look at your spouse. Look at somebody else. Okay. This is your family here at Keshia Baptist Church. These are the ones that Jesus is saying to you, love one another. Well, how were we to do that? Well, like he loved us. How did he love us? He gave his life for us. Whew. Well, now let me look at some of you guys here. Yeah, I guess so. You're all right, I guess. Yeah. I'm not Jesus, nor are you. I can't be I can't be Jesus, but I can be like Him. I can strive to love that way. There are some people hard to love. Would you agree with me? The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm to love them if they're a part of my family. Don't you, you, there were disagreements among the disciples. I, I, you know, the, Peter, and you get Peter and... James and John and some of those guys together. You know, there, there were some disagreements, but he said, you need to love one another because you're going to need one another. And, and, and they 
Boy, did they need one another because every one of them except for the Apostle John was martyred for their faith. And he says, listen, just as I have loved you, I have sacrificed for you. Listen, I've had experiences in my life and in my ministry. and I've been in ministry 30 years now. And and I've had guys where I've served that didn't like me. I know it's hard to believe that somebody wouldn't like me, but I understand that. (laughs) I've rubbed a person wrong or two along the way, you know, and. I had this in my last church. I had this one guy. He, it was his mission in life to, to just undermine everything I did. Man, I wanted to smack him every time I saw him. But the Lord convicted my heart. And he said, Terry, how many times have you preached this passage and said, love one another? Oh, Lord, I don't want to do that. You don't have a choice. So I began loving this guy, and the way I did it is I began to pray for this guy. Do you know that when you pray for somebody that you don't like, God changes your heart? And I don't mean praying, Lord, I hope he, he, gets, he has an accident today, or Lord, I hope he falls and hurts himself. No, I'm not talking about that. That's not prayer. That's not praying. Lord, allow me to love him or her. As you love me. And if you'll pray that. On a regular basis. God will change your heart. Now whether or not their heart will change. That's up to them and the Lord. But I have seen in my own personal life. Him turn relationships around. I I had a, a church in Maryland. That called me as their pastor. And it was unanimous vote. Except for one guy. And I couldn't believe it. Just one guy said no. And I asked the chairman of the search team, I said, who was this guy? And he pointed, in fact, before he, he could tell me, this guy walked up to him. He said, hey, Terry, I want to introduce myself. My name is David. And uh, he says, I'm the one who voted against you. And I said, you did? Well, why? He says, well, I, I think you're the right guy for us. I think you're the one that's supposed to be here. I love what you're doing. I, I, I'm, I'm a supporter of yours. I just don't believe in unanimous vote. And I said, you got to be kidding me. So I, I prayed with him right there. Because I, I was going to try to make sure my relationship with him was right. And David turned out to be my visitation partner. I love him to this day. Now this guy, I'll tell you about in, in Waynesville. I, don't, we, we, I was back here this year doing the homecoming for them. And uh, he's still a little standoffish. But th- at least I shook his hand and smiled and and see, God took that away from me when, when, when I loved him. We needed each other. There was coming a point where he was going to try to divide the church. And, and we just prayed and prayed. And all of a sudden, he changed his mind. Well, God changed his mind because we were praying for him. And he says, listen, you love each other the way I loved you because I'm giving my life for you. And when you do this, everybody else will know that you're my disciples. Now, their identification is not by the one that they're following. 
their identification is by the way they live their lives. The way they talk, the way they conduct their business, the, the way they, uh, their appearance tell, can tell people, listen, I don't know these folks, but there's one thing I do know. They, they love Jesus or they are, are a believer in Jesus Christ. And listen, I can tell you real quickly, the world out there watches you and me. Those without Christ watch what we say and what we do and where we go and what we don't do and what we shouldn't do. They know it, friends. They know it. Let it be said of us that those who watch us, they may not agree with us. They may not even like what we do. But there's one thing they can say. They know Jesus. They love Jesus. Now, that's hard work, but that's what he's called us to do. I want the world to know about Terry Stockman that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I may be a whole lot of other different things. I've been called all kinds of different things. But I hope on my epitaph, it says, he was a disciple maker. Because he was a disciple of Jesus. You're going to need each other. And let what the world sees happen here say, Wow, that had to be of God. Because that's what you want the world to see. And the Bible tells us, and I don't have time here to go through all of this, but... He tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 what love really is. Love is a whole bunch of things. And a lot of things will eventually go away, but the one thing that won't go away is God's love. No matter what, you can't erase His love. You're still a daughter and you're still a son of the one who gave His life for you. I'm telling you right now, guys, God's got something special for you because He loves you and He wants you to love each other. So if there's someone in your life, someone in this family that you've had an issue with, start today by saying, listen, forgive me. I want to love you like I'm commanded to love. Forgive me. And pray with them. And you see what God can do in this place. I'm telling you some of the best times in the life of the church can be. Can be. In a transition period. Where God's people get right with Him. Souls are saved. Kingdom is grown. Baptistry waters are Field. And when that takes place, a prospective pastor would be crazy not to come and be a part of what God's doing here. If you'll just let it happen. So, do you know that you're loved? If you don't know that for sure this morning, you can. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. And during that invitation song, if God has spoken to your heart and you know and realize that you've never experienced that that 
in filling of His Spirit into your heart and life. You've never been born again. Uh, you've never experienced that love. Come on down. I'll be glad to talk to you about that and help you understand that. Maybe you're here today and you, you know that you've not been where you ought to be with the Lord. You've been off track. You've not really, uh, there's some unconfessed sin in your heart. You need to get that right before you can move forward, do anything. Get that right. And, and praise God, you can do that. You can do that today. You can come kneel at this altar. Again, I can come pray with you. Whatever the will, whatever God leads you to do, I would challenge you. I would dare you to come and follow Him today and do what He's called you to do. Would you stand with me and bow your head? Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around this morning. This is the most important time of what we do here today. And that is to respond to Jesus. Not to me, but to Him. Respond to what He's leading you to do. And maybe He's tapping you on the shoulder right now and He's saying, Oh, you need to go forward. You need to get this right or that right, whatever. I challenge you, I dare you to come. Don't don't wait. Have courage. Step out. Father, I pray today, your will be done in this place. Give courage wherever it's needed in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What are we going to sing, Jonathan? 137. Let's sing. And as we sing, if God has spoken to your heart anyway, if I can pray for you in any way, you come as we sing.